Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio with the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg um, of Wisconsin Lutheran College fame. And uh, we are continuing on our series about why America is losing its mind, which is entirely speculation on our part, um, but is based on uh, 11 bullet points that I put together in a flurry one day and shared with Mike, and he said, why not? We can we can talk about them. So far, uh, as we've talked about why America has lost its mind, and, and Mike has pointed out a few times, perhaps we never really had one. Um, but so far, we've talked about first... And maybe I should explain that. That sounds so unpatriotic and stuff like that, but I think we're fighting against the idea that there was this beautiful, perfect city on a hill right. a repristination of and we all got along and we we right. thought everything through very seriously like we you know a lot of this was built on enlightenment principles and that's not those aren't always perfect and stuff like that and so we don't have a repristination of the first century christianity or 16th century christianity or or 1776 politics or whatever were kind of all flawed yeah Right. So um, what we've talked about so far as we've gone, the first point was we're not liberals anymore and we should be, which was probably our best clickbait title um, because we weren't talking about liberal conservative, but rather liberal versus illiberal. Two was we've forgotten history or never learned it. Those two are now out now um, due to a valiant effort on my part. Yeah, you did really good. I would say thank you. Three, partisanship is hardly new, and media partisanship is hardly new, but has been exacerbated with technology. That one's coming out tomorrow, is it? which is Good. Tuesday. <clears throat> I've already got it done scheduled. Thanks to Abigail for producing it, but it'll be coming out Tuesday the 29th at 6 a.m. for any of you early risers. Um, four is information overload has led to soundbite engagement with important issues and with other people. That one has been recorded, and Lord willing, uh, the uh, that'll come out uh, next Tuesday. So in the new year, if, uh, what is it, if the something in the creek don't rise? Uh, yeah, if the creek don't rise and if Abigail gets on her But butt. what's the expression? There's something before if the creek don't rise. Uh, I think that's In the creek, said. I always thought it meant the creek like water, but I've heard that that it might mean like... Back in the day, like a Native American tribe or something. No, I think it, well, maybe it meant both, but like, you know, the creek rises and then you can't cross over, so you got to go around. Yeah, we'll look that one up. But So I had, by the way, I got a story about that. So when I was... Uh, Can I just do one go ahead. more? And then fifth is online engagement today has undermined personal interaction. Tell me your story, Michael. I'm enchanted. So when I was uh, going to be ordained, I had uh, invited my uh, cousin's husband, her, her family, who was also a pastor within like an hour of this church or whatever. And, and I don't remember something he said, he said, we'll be there unless the, the Creek don't ride, whatever that phrase was. But I had already read the history of our church and one of its pastors on horseback had fallen into a Creek that he shouldn't have passed and drowned. That's unfortunate. So I said, please don't use that phrase in this congregation because 120 years ago, somebody actually died. So it, it, it actually is a thing, right? Yeah, there's a... Oh, it's the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Yeah, there you go. 
right. Is the <clears throat> the is full it? the uh, um and uh, it does say according to Wikipedia, which Ben tells us is a reliable source, it is sometimes thought that the word creek instead refers to the creek people, but this is not the case. No, so I'm glad you kept me from. I think it is ri- spreading like fake literally news. a river, yeah, rising, <laughs> because that's a big deal. You know, you only. Yeah. We kind of in the city. You just get you just there's 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 you just go where the roads are. But if you're out in the rural area yeah. and one bridge goes down, that could that could be like a an extra hundred yeah. miles around. You say creek or crick? I say creek usually. I was really saying crick, but yeah, I don't know what that is. Is that a southern thing, crick or? I don't know. That's just what we always called it. I don't know. Okay. All right. So we are on five. Online engagement has undermined personal interaction, and I will say. As I look back through these and as we've kind of fleshed them out, there's going to be a lot of crossover between these. So some themes might come up again uh, and again. I was excited to see, I went on to see about downloads after we released two episodes. And Mike, it turns out if we release episodes, people will download them. They won't download nothing. They have to download If we don't release them, they don't download them. They have to have content to download. So I think the key is going to be us releasing stuff. Let's try it. So yeah, we'll we'll give it a little bit of a little bit of... The old college try? Yeah, we'll do that. Um, We are glad to be, thankful to be, happy to be part of the 1517 Podcast Network. There's a number of podcasts that are a part of that. You can go to 1517.org and find out about that and a lot of other resources that 1517.org has, uh, including a new book that is going to be coming out uh, in 2021 and uh, will probably set a lot of publishing records uh, for 1517 and beyond. Um, We have speculated that it could sell several grosses uh, (laughs) of of copies. I I would... Dozens. Dozens of grosses? No, just dozens. Dozens. And, uh, and so I am looking forward to my, my autographed copy. I heard a while back Peter mentioned reading it. And so there must have been some copies of. So available. there's the advanced copies for the people who do the Amazon reviews, and okay. I gave one to the good Dr. Hermanson. I thought she'd be a good yeah. one to review. So, and I wouldn't be? Well, I, I figured it's too close. You know what I mean? Like... like you I didn't want to do two. Showed me one, right? I, um, I feel like you didn't let me share in your joy. Yeah, I. There's... I let you share in my joy. I tell you almost everything going on in my <laughs> life. Um, I've given. I actually have given away my few advanced copies. In fact, one to my one to an Uber driver. Maybe I should start driving Uber. <laughs> um, there's there were some mistakes. So when so you get the other copies, you will get one autographed. Autograph, you can have a couple. If you well, you sign it as Michael. I've taken a call on you, Michael, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, when I sign my name, I always sign my name Michael. Okay. Well, I, I would appreciate that. What are you going to write, like, as a above it? Oh, probably something to troll you. Really? Yeah. I was hoping for something, like, fraternal. Like, God bless you. Something and, I would cherish. Yeah, it could be. So when, the, when the good Lord calls me... Um, that they could put in my casket because it was so dear to me. <laughs> I don't think. Let me think about it. It'll be a while before we get some other copies. But so, all right. The uh, but uh, I did. By the way, I did send you the manuscript. You just never read it. So I did look at it. Did you? Okay. So you already. And you sent me way back when okay. some original stuff, and yeah. I gave you thoughts. Okay. 
Right. So that's coming out in April, right? That's still the plan? Yeah, April. But people can pre-order it now at theamazon.com? Yeah, they sure can. And the uh, support Jeff Bezos, I hear he's having a... A rough year? Go with stuff, yeah. I, it's been a very bad year for Amazon, I think. It's either that or, or a really terrific year. I can't remember. Yeah, it's one of the, one <laughs> or the other. Did I ever tell you that I bought, I bought for Noel, my middle child, one share of Amazon? Oh, really? At $190. See, I... It's I, now like over three thousand. I'm opposed to the stock market on principle, although yeah. I'm in favor of horse races, betting on horses. Sure. So uh, I've never bought stock before, although I, my wife is our accountant, and I have a feeling that I'm, I'm, yeah, you have some. There's stocks, and you do have you you own stocks some way or somehow, mutual yeah. fu- through mutual funds and <clears throat> Roth IRAs and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, by the way, very glad. That Trisha is in charge of the, your finances and not you. I'm very glad with that uh, as well. Although the the van needs some repairs, so we got the call and it's gonna be like a grand. Yeah, it's. And she seemed uh, not happy with that, so maybe we're gonna be homeless. I don't. I doubt that. She's pretty good with money. Well, I hope so. I really do hope so, Michael. I try to do my part by spending it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but check out 1517.org. Lots of good stuff on there. Um, the regular blog posts. Um, Books, podcasts, academy stuff. Michael will have an academy thing coming out, a free course, a course that does not cost any money on vocation mm-hmm. with the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg. Um, and uh, um, Don't know when that's coming out, but it'll it's taped. Or we should say it's recorded. I just can't wait to see what, you're, what you wore for it. You I literally me. had to buy a new outfit. While you were down there? No, because, well, that's another story. But I said, I'm like, can I wear, I teach in my black collar. And they're like, well, we kind of look in more academia and the background's black. So I looked in my closet and I said, I don't have any other clothes. It would have been great just to have your head floating. So, yeah, (laughs) green screen. just. Um, So um, I had my wife go and buy an outfit. Were there skinny jeans? No, I did not have to buy jeans, but I did have the... Did you um, wear jeans for it? Yep. And I did have the... Were I they, had the... Were they somewhat skinny? No, they were They were normal. Okay. And then I had the, the you know, untucked button-down shirt with the I told jacket you that, over where see, I felt absolutely ridiculous. I predicted something like this. Yeah, you're right. So... Um, that reminds me of... Remember, by the way, I kind of... Remember did, when did, they wanted, uh, by the way, headshots... For us, and, yeah. and you were all on me about we had to send nice headshots, and I wanted to use the one that Siggy took of me, which was just like my <laughs> well, it was actually pretty my good. head, and yeah. then I uh, took like fifty headshots that you all rejected me sending. Yeah, some of them are are up here. There's me pretending to teach physics. Mm-hmm. Then there's me. I asked for the biggest book in the library, <laughs> and I'm reading the biggest book in the library. And then there's me contemplating a painting in the art gallery. Yep. And then I convinced the coffee shop people on campus. There's me. Pretending to make an espresso, and then there's me. I found a microscope. They wouldn't let me hold a skull, but me looking at a microscope, and then there's me with a whatever that thing's called that Dr. Keen has. That you kind of touch it, it rotates, and a student is acting like I'm uh, teaching them. Teaching them about it. Absolutely, those would have all been great headshots. Um, By the way, to finish my story after about that outfit, um, I got there, and uh, even though I'm a grown man. Uh, I can confirm with, this. With letters behind my name. Very true. Um, I didn't pack underwear. Ooh. So, little inside, 
background behind the, the scenes the local kind of thing. Church of Latter-day Saints steak and I, know. Heard, I so heard they have underwear. I wanted, I was going to stop and get underwear before I got to the studio, but the things were closed. And so I had to wait until after we recorded for nine hours. So, so little, watching behind, the, behind the scenes, I'm wearing dirty underwear the whole time. Nice. All right. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back to our main topic. You got it. Nope. What'd you forget? You gave oh, yeah, me a sorry. job, and okay. then you said you were going to do something. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers, to be honest, much of the time. It probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. make our way then uh, to our main topic today, which is online engagement has undermined personal interaction. I think we'll skip. We could have talked about what we do for Christmas, but uh, there's a pandemic. So uh, I will say one thing over uh, Christmas break here, though, that I have learned is I, uh, I'm pretty sure at this point the Lions are not making the Super Bowl, Michael. You're talking about next year already? Or I mean this year. This year, for sure. You're already talking about next year? I had been holding out hope. Okay. <laughs> Turns out uh, they're not good at uh, at football, which is the one thing they're supposed to be good at. Right. So at least we've got college basketball, but even that's starting to not look so good. I think we have another uh, season of very good Big Ten teams, none of them elite. Which and they're is just going to beat up on each other. It's going to be for, yeah. has been for decades. All right. So that brings us to online engagement has undermined personal interaction and here, just as a disclaimer, Mike, I am going to try not to be a, a Luddite or um, vilify uh, what can be very helpful uh, means of communication. But I think if we can talk just kind of in um, kind of broad brush strokes about some of the changes that, that come uh, depending upon the different ways with which we interact with each other. Um, I think we're both old enough that we can think back to like kind of like the beginning of email becoming a regular thing that we were going to have mm-hmm. to do. Uh, when I think back to, to MLC and to us being undergrads, I don't really think email was a, a big part of our undergrad experience much ever, at all. You could, but you didn't have to. If class was canceled, you didn't get an email. You went to the old main or whatever that building was called, and there was a sign posted. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of... Uh, I don't remember ever emailing a professor. You kind of would just go talk to him or find him in office hours. Seminary, probably a little more, but still not a huge thing. 
Um, but by the time we were in the parish, and especially there for a few years, um, it got pretty regular, right, that members could email you stuff that they maybe would have called about on the phone before. Um, with time, I would say it was probably I was well into being in the parish before texting really became a big part of my communication sure. with others. Is that true of you Absolutely, as well? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, you know, we still had, you're going to hear someone's voice, you're going to call them, or you actually had to go find the person and talk. Um, I am a thankful for email. I'm thankful for texting. Uh, those who know me well know that they better text me first before they call if they want me to pick up because I sent once I left the parish, one of the things I thought was a huge blessing is I don't know that I've had my ringer on <laughs> since I've left the parish um, unless I know there's a potential you know emergency, um, loved ones having surgery or something. Uh, but at the same time, we all know the, the pitfalls that can come with electronic communications. Uh, there's been some efforts to overcome them. Uh, for instance, uh, you call them what, emojis, right? That's what you call them. Mm -hmm. So that when you're being sarcastic, you can kind of put a smiley face so that the reader realizes you're not being like the world's worst person in what you're trying to say. Um, you can kind of do audio messages now with stuff. But even as a, as things shifted to email, right, the nature of communication somewhat changed. Uh, it gets hard to, to read people. You can read the words, but it can be hard to, to read people. Um, word choice becomes a lot more important. I started using exclamation points a lot more just to yeah. say, I'm not being, I'm not angry at you. This is the way for me to. Right. right. Punctuation has really changed with, <clears throat> yeah. with this. Um, and I think everyone early on would have admitted um, there's stuff that you would email that you just wouldn't say mm -hmm. to someone. Um, and over time, it, it, it's become easier sometimes to send an email that, that says something that you would never say face-to-face -face with someone. Um, it's uh, texting, right? You even hear stories about kid, uh, people our kids' age now who break up with people you know, via texting. Mm -hmm. Um, breaking up with people is, is never fun, right? There's probably a good number of people who are married just because they could never bring themselves to break up with someone face-to-face. -face. Not myself, and I'm guessing not you, mm -hmm. Michael. But, um, but you know, I don't think any of us could have imagined, like, back in the day breaking up with someone by, like... Like if you did that over the phone, you were a dirtbag. Yeah, it was expected, you know, this is you do face-to-face. And it, as it became, it became an easier way to maybe break hard, difficult news to people than, than in person. Um, and now with the explosion of, of social media, we probably have all had the experience of seeing someone's interactions with others online and thinking, that is not the so-and-so that I know, yeah. right? Um, I can't believe they said that or they've never, I've never seen them talk to someone like that. And not just with people we know, um, but to get sucked into the illusion that we have a meaningful relationship with people we don't know, right? We all have online friends who we just know online um, that, that we can uh, become so upset about something or incensed about something uh, that if they were a face-to-face -face friend, it, we just would never say those things or, or, or think those things. And the things that we talk about, right? There's things we would never bring up face-to-face -face with friends or relatives, or maybe we would, 
Um, but in a very, you know, in in the pub or at the coffee house or at the dinner table, um, I mean, not during dinner, but, you know, afterwards when you're hanging out, unless you got like a mansion, but usually dinner table is kind of the hangout place later, um, that if those topics came up, they would come up in a much more considered and, uh, I don't know, balanced way. I don't know a good way to say it, Mike. <clears throat> but uh, that online, these things can become powder kegs. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, it, it leads to us being, I know, one of the reasons I got off social media is it could lead to me even feeling like I'm two different people. I think we'd all agree, Mike, in real life, in person, I'm probably one of the most balanced, even keel people you know. Uh, it's very difficult to annoy me. Almost never get upset or, or say, say anything in anger. I was going to say that you are the exception to the rule that you're, you're just as sarcastic and annoying offline as you are online. So you're saying there's a sincerity to me, a genuineness. <laughs> there's a sincerity with you. <laughs> um, but I do think uh, it's it's something for us to keep in mind and to think about. Um, maybe you've even had the experience where you see families fighting online. And you just go, why are you? You're fighting each, you know, you're threatening each other. You're acting like, you have, no, why are you so mad about this, whatever it might be? And that distance, I think, leads to something. And the pandemic has just exacerbated that, where most of our contact now is digital or not in, in person. Um, Mike, you can disagree with me if I'm wrong, but I know a recent survey of our students even has shown um, that they were glad that we were able to do as much in person that we have done, that students just got something out of in-person classes that they didn't get um, digitally. And from a teaching standpoint, I would 10 times more prefer to be in person with someone mm -hmm. um, than to be digital, although I'm thankful for the digital, what we're able mm -hmm. to do with it. Um, but there's just aspects to that communication um, that we benefit from and the people who linger and will talk and ask questions mm -hmm that they won't do in another setting. So that's kind of my big picture setting the, the table and hopefully not sounding like a, uh, a Luddite. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to you, Mike, and see if anything stands out yep. that you, where you'd like was, to take this. It occurs to me that actually teaching in front of classrooms is actually maybe an outlier here. And the reason I say that is, let, let's just go back to the beginning. I, if I can just type something um, in an email all the way down to a text, to to Instagram post, to whatever. Just you pick whatever it is. All on, on the different spectrum of how permanent these words are going to be. That I will very easily say those things that I wouldn't say on the phone, and then take even step back face to face with somebody. Right. A lot of it has to do with courage. Right. Um, it's one thing to yell at somebody on the phone. It's a whole other thing to do it to their face. Um, you gotta have, you gotta, there's a special kind of crazy or boldness or whatever you want to call it to do it in someone's face. But it's also like, and, and we are, we are very guilty of this, that you and I can say, okay, here's something in, in the church at large, or here's something at our institution or, or our school or our department or our local community. And, and we, we back each other up and, and, and then we start speculating about those people who are in charge who have obviously screwed everything right. up. And, and But you did you noted we're guilty of this, so can we just mutually real quick absolve each other? Yeah, I absolve you. I, I forgive you too. Okay, thank you. Um that 
we start to speculate, they must be thinking this way, which is just, I mean, we get to the point very easily that we may say, not only are they wrong, but they're morally reprehensible. And you say we do that, but I feel like I mostly do that. No, I do it too. I do uh, it more. Yeah, the, okay, I agree with you. You just you kick the sound out of my thing again I'm with sorry. your leg crossing there. And now. then, um, but when then, let's say you have an opportunity to talk to that leader, that group, that committee, that politician or whatever it is, and you're not so bold anymore, right? And you start to hear the other side and... That's sort of the echo chamber thing that we're kind of talking about as well. So you don't have to understand the other side when you're behind a computer screen. You in sort fact, of, it, it's almost, in many instances, impossible right. to. But it's a whole different story if you are, if you are talking face-to-face with somebody. Now, what I said was it was a little bit different when we were talking about uh, being a professor, because then it's kind of the opposite. I think <clears throat> when we were online being recorded, then we kind of pulled back a little bit because you didn't want that 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 technology. I don't want to get fired. You want to get fired. You want to get. Uh, you don't want a student taking it and editing it, spinning it, making uh, like a deep fake, or, or just making fun of you, a meme or whatever, where the actual words that you speak in a normal classroom situation, you, you are allowed, you can read the room. You could, you can read the room and you say, okay, that didn't hit that student. Right. And I, I don't, you know, they got to have their masks off too. Right. Right. And so you can tell, let me explain that more. So you don't take it the wrong way. Um, they can read your body language that you're sort of kidding. You're sort of going, saying something outrageous to make a point. Um, and so it's the opposite when you're in the classroom where the face to face, you actually are more open. You're, you're a little bit more open-minded either way, face to face in a physical way leads to a better opportunity for honesty than when it comes to technology. Technology is always going to add the possibility of, um, spin or, um, an untruthful take. So whether it be by editing, whether it be by losing the context, by losing um, nonverbal communication, um, punctuation cannot do the same thing that the inflection of a voice can't, all those things. So it's not like tech technology is automatically going to take away truth, but there is going to be in each level, there's going to be more opportunity to chip away at the truthfulness, whether it be nefarious or not. Right. Right. So I, I think that's, it's not just, like you said, we're not just being Luddites here and saying technology is the worst thing that ever happened. We are saying by the very nature of this, there is going to be some pitfalls and we haven't always maybe we've, we've pinpointed them, but I don't know that we always appreciate them in day to day life and, that's why I began with, we're just as guilty as anybody else about that. Um, <clears throat> because we can, we can say in the halls of Congress, what a bunch of idiots and they don't know anything and they're stupid. And if I was in charge, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors there. Doesn't make it right or wrong or whatever. They may still be idiots, but um, you just don't know. Yeah. And I, I think um, 
if we can make the comparison to maybe to being online and interacting with a group, um, to being in a coffee house or a pub or, or something like that with your friends and interacting, uh, you, you, you don't just, well, some people maybe do, but most people don't just walk away from the table at the pub or at the coffee house, right? Um, you're there, you respect those people, um, you have a back and forth, you have a discussion. You don't just, we should try this in person sometime when we go out. You're blocked. Yep, I block you. You can talk to everybody else but not me, and you have to whisper so I don't hear it. Um, you have a conversation with that table without other people chiming in as it goes, right? You ever have that experience on social media? Um, you've posted something, you're looking forward to good conversation, and the people you're hoping to have good conversation with, like, jump in. Like, I used to like to do that with, like, a news article or something, and and have actual meaningful conversation. Some people, and then you get people who come in and they, of course, haven't read it or they just are reacting to the title or they just want to poke at stuff or whatever. Um, or they want to give their take um, that is maybe not helpful, unintentionally unhelpful. But um, And so you're trying to have a meaningful, so what do you mean by that, a meaningful conversation with someone? And you have all these other voices jump, and then they're liking or they're disliking things as, as you go. And it's usually an attempt of self-righteousness. I'm going to be more, I'm going to sound more intelligent than that right. person. And I'm going to win this. Yeah. Um, and on the contrary, I find when I'm at the pub or at the coffee house, some of the most memorable nights I have are the conversations where there was the back and forth and you got pushed. And I can still remember some conversations that have stuck with me that if those would have happened, uh, even in a closed group, let's say a, a group on a, Telegram or something would not have worked out um, in the way that they did. In fact, I would say my my seminary years, the most informative part of my seminary years, was gathering with a certain circle of friends, and not of us all always being on the same page, and having the push and pull. And I would say with that group of friends, um, we probably all became better future pastors for challenging each other on stuff, but also having the give and take that kind of came with these discussions <clears throat> these protracted discussions that went that went back um yeah and let me and inter- forth. you're fully engaged when you're in face to face when have you ever just sat there at at a whatever telegram or if it's on facebook or whatever technological chat room you're in or whatever that you were only focused on that right oh. you're usually going from this website or this platform over and over doing something else but when you're sitting in front of a person you have you have a better chance of being fully engaged. Right. Yeah. And you're seeing their face. You're seeing if something lands in such a way that it upsets them or it lands in such a way that it interests them. You're, you're invested in them um, in a, a different sort of a manner. It kind of reminds me, in many ways, what happens with social media is kind of like, remember the time we went to, to Benno's, Mike, and I think it was me, you, and Peter, and we were sitting on the back patio, and we were having a good conversation, and uh, then that guy came out who was talking about how he used to... Flat-out crazy guy. Yeah. Like, run drugs and somehow stole money. <clears throat> uh, the conversation got real quick. And every time, like, we would try to bring it back and, like, not tell this guy, just leave. That's where I would have used the block button. <laughs> it was just impossible to get back to a meaningful right. discussion. And we had gone out to have a meaningful discussion to talk about more than just animal fights. And, uh, and it's just impossible, right? Um, and I think that becomes a a challenge. 
Um, one of the things I've noticed too that since uh, I've got off most of the social media, and I gave a lot of people, I said, here's my number, right? Let's stay in touch. <coughs> Excuse me. And I've actually gotten phone calls or even just text messages. It's just the, the, the two of us. And I feel like I've, I've had more meaningful contact with them via that than by seeing all their pictures and them seeing my pictures or knowing what so-and-so had for lunch or whatever else. Um, there's, a, there's just a benefit to having a, a focused, a closed discussion. I think that's true in the classroom as well. Um, there's discussions that are for the classroom that are just different from discussions you would have. When I've got to know my students over a few weeks, there's discussions all up in the classroom that if I were invited to speak, you know, just to whoever on campus, which happens sometimes that we do, I wouldn't have the same discussion or I wouldn't do it the same way because there's been a relationship that has been built. And you mentioned the mass, and right, our students now, we wear masks, they wear masks. And this is a good thing, right? We, there's a pandemic, we want to be responsible citizens. Um, but that also did kind of get in the way. Oh, sure. It took a lot longer to get to that comfortability level to where we can see how each other are reacting to things. Because you mentioned, right, we sometimes use hyperbole, or I, I don't know how you put it, but you meant hyperbole, right? Mm -hmm. And or, or sometimes our job as professors is to kind of poke at them, mm -hmm. right? Um, to play devil's advocate to an extent to get them thinking, and uh, and there you, you really want to see what they're doing. And they're there for 50 minutes. They're not going to just march out either. I mean, unless you really upset them, you're not going to just march out. There's a protracted discussion um, to be had. And there's an investment in them simply because you see them and they see they see you. Um, and you got to show up the next day, right. the next class. You, gotta, you, gotta, you have to show your face to them, uh, which makes you um, – Makes you more sincere. And I think um, this is where in the church maybe things have, with the pandemic, have become more challenging too is um, pastors with people or people with pastors or brother pastors with each other or brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow parishioners, are not seeing each other regularly and are sometimes interacting primarily um, online. And it's probably led to all of us to some degree or another um, saying or receiving or um, taking something in ways that we otherwise uh, would not, right? And I think we've become a little bit oversensitive. And the same, not just in the church, co-workers in the workplace, yeah. this would play. I think we've become oversensitive too, right? We're not really um, bullying online is easier, I would, I would suspect. Oh. But the flip side of that is um, you you and I can joke at each other. We have tough enough skin. Although it does actually usually wound me pretty deeply. Yeah. Um, that, But it's good for you. And then <laughs> to the point where we're not going to fall apart when someone disagrees with us. I mean, I usually do. And then Trisha comes in and she says, uh, was it Mike? And I say, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and she says, it's probably good for you. Yeah. So, but, but you know what I mean? Like if I, if I disagree with somebody online, I block them, I cancel them, however you want to, however you want to put it. I'm just you, not going to reply to that email. You're, you're not in my life. You're not in my orbit anymore. Um, but when you are in a classroom, if you are a colleague, if you are in a family, if you are on a team, whatever it is, you kind of got to get over it mm -hmm. and you're forced to work 
and, and so you 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 become a little bit maybe tougher that way. I think we become very se- sensitive, and I don't mean bullying in this. I, I don't just mean bullying in the sense of some kid picking on another kid. I mean, I hear something that I don't like online that triggers me. I'm unhappy. That person is the devil incarnate. And I've got to stop them from saying this. And stuff. I either I have to be I it's I either I have to go on a crusade or I need to flee as far as I can back into my my own little world. Um, and that's a whole lot easier to do when you can just press a button or turn right. off a put your phone down or turn can off. Can I the throw computer. something at you in yeah. that regard real quick? Um, to what degree does this maybe spare us from the actual Christian calling of having to bear the cross of neighbor, right? I'm thinking of even in the workplace, I joke with my wife about working in a cube farm because um, got all the cubicles. The person next, thankfully, our offices have walls. Like, we can keep each other off. Although I gave you a key, which I've sometimes regretted, and you've never given me a key, which I'm guessing you don't regret. But um, That's exactly right. But, uh, you know, your cube mate, whoever's next to you, is next to you, right? At church, the person one pew forward is one pew forward. Um, the family member that you're in, in when when the holidays aren't uh, holiday travel isn't you know limited because those those people are right there. Um, and from a Christian perspective, part of vocation is bearing the cross of neighbor. And in many ways, when we're dealing primarily with online communication, tell me if I'm wrong, Mike. Is there something too that we can maybe too easily flee the cross of neighbor? And and here I don't mean cross of neighbor as if like the neighbor's so terrible and they're crucifying you. What I mean is we're called to serve neighbor and our neighbor is a person and is a sinner like us and is there. Anything with that maybe? Sure. I think, um, well, what I think what does happen is that we have a negative theology of glory, which is um, I'm being persecuted, right? And so the person, my neighbor who disagrees with me, and maybe they're flat out wrong, you know, maybe they're just flat out wrong. But for all of human history people there's been people who are wrong yeah i'm in fact maybe all of them i would guess all of the people that have ever lived have been wrong except for jesus except for jesus um solid christology here at the podcast we want to keep that going right and i thought for a while jim harbaugh but that has turned out not not to be correct um so he didn't lose to ohio state this year he did not he, he did not um let me go back um so when I look at my neighbor, I look at my neighbor, let's say that my neighbor is absolutely wrong about something and their politics, their whatever is just, you know, Sports it, allegiance. It's, it's wrong, flat out wrong. Um, Religious views. So I have a choice. Either I can go down a theology of glory where I beat that person, I win. Or I can go down a they're, road. They're a Democrat or a Republican. What, what do they call the Republicans? I don't know. You know, Republic, whatever. I don't know. They're a uh, heathen, or yeah. they're a, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. You've dismissed them. So path number one is theology of glory. I beat them. A crusade. Path number two is a negative theology of glory, which is I'm the victim. I suffer. This person is the devil incarnate. And and along with that, and just with that online interaction really creates a false impression of how many people are out there to get you to. Because there's stuff you would never encounter in real life, like with your actual neighbors. 
that you find online and then you multiply, there must be like 50% of the population that thinks this. Well, and I, I don't know about you, but you start looking at people even driving the road. You say, okay, that person's driving that car that has that bumper sticker. Yeah. They must be this, this, this character, this character that I have, have a, in my mind. And you don't know that. Right. You don't know that. Um, so option number one is traditional theology of glory. The next one is the negative theology of glory. The, the other option is, I think, uh, another theology of glory, which is the, the self-righteousness path. I am going to be more righteous than this person. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't love them enough to even beat them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I am, I, I only am concerned about myself and being more morally superior than them. I'm not going to do one, one thing to actually engage them. I'm not going to even argue with them. I'm just going to throw bombs at them, you know, memes or, or start whatever. Start your own little group that I'm gonna, agrees I'm, with you on everything. Right. I'm going to, I'm not, I don't even love them enough to beat them. I'm just going to use them as a stepping stone for my own moral righteousness. I think this is the biggest threat to our, to, to, to our high schoolers and college kids right now. Th that, that's our biggest threat because they get in their echo chamber and they say that type of person is bad. Um, I don't love them enough to even engage them and beat them. I just am going to use them in my own righteousness. Or then there is the answer, which is the theology of the cross, and that is to actually love them and engage them and be willing to uh, lose some rounds. Um, or... To hold off hitting on some stuff. Yeah. And I think the more and more I think about this, I think about in our situation right now, in our, in our culture, which is highly moralistic, which I've been saying for, once I started getting to, started actually reading stuff about postmodernism, like I'm like, I should read this. I started saying maybe even 12 years ago to my parishioners and they couldn't believe me. I said, we live in a more moralistic time than ever. It's and I would say too, it's just different morality. America has always been a hyper moralistic yeah. nation as well. It goes right with the pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Right. So, um, and it's not a good thing. It's, it's ultimately not a good thing. And the reason why it's not a good thing is because there is, there is zero room for forgiveness there. Right. And that I think is a change. Like I think America in, in, in politics, especially you could have second acts and we're seeing that with Joe Biden right now. Right. I mean, he was he could have been president in the perhaps in the in the 80s, um, but made a mistake. He made his way. But we actually are. We are willing generally to forgive a Bill Clinton unless you're a complete enemy. of. You know what I mean? We right. we are able to do that. I don't know that. I think that has changed a little bit. What I say is what I mean is that there is so little room for error. And there is really no room for forgiveness at all. And your mistakes all. are archived. Yeah. So I may, I may, uh, I have my, I have my, because we are in a concept of, of, of power is the closest way do we get to truth is about uh, who has the power and who doesn't. And that is a postmodern term because yeah, absolutely. we've moved from an ethic of, of the good right. to definitely an ethic of rights and rights all come down to power, right? Because rights are either negative or positive. Okay. So um, who gets, and in some ways this can be, well, this is a different story, but can be helpful. Why, why can't, well, let's not go down that road, but whoever, you, you divide everybody between the victors and the oppressors. So um, 
it's very easy for me to then say, okay, in order to love and forgive people or whatever, I find them as, so we argue about who is the victim. So, um, um, you maybe, maybe say, oh, here is this police officer who had, you know, somebody yelled at them, they become the victim. Um, the, uh, the Christian church is being victimized because whatever, you know, you make it up or whatever, that, that kind of thing. But that's not what Jesus was saying when he said, forgive even your enemy. He wasn't saying, look for somebody who has been victimized and show them love. No, he meant forgive the person who was stoning you. So can you forgive the person that you have made into the devil, right? Are you willing to treat them as a human being? Um, If you are a Subaru driving, um, Harvard graduating, environmentally friendly, uh, whatever person, can you actually love enough to have a conversation with with the the MAGA hat wearing mechanic suburban driving from wherever, you know, um, can you as a farmer in Iowa um, love enough and be forgiving enough to talk about, to talk and have a decent conversation and understand um, um, the African-American woman living in Baltimore? Can you, without saying, why can't you just get a job? Why can't, you know what I mean? Falling into those those tropes on both sides. That's where there is just no room for that in our current culture. And I wonder if it was already there before we had computers. Yeah, and I, I think and the fault lines this were, yeah. is This is, I mean, you could go back to Nietzsche and everything, right? Ubermen and, and the herd morality. You can go back to all of these things. And this is why I, I've said repeatedly that technology is, in, in a way, not completely neutral, but neutral enough that, um, but, but what it is, it's, gasol- it's an accelerator, it's gasoline on the fire. It can take something and make it go like that. Yeah, and here I think uh, something that came to mind as you were talking is we talk about you know, the, the marketplace of ideas. And I think we forget that what the marketplace of ideas really used to mean historically was you would go to the marketplace and hear ideas, right? If you think of how um, ancient cities were set up, um, often where people would sit to discuss things was located in the area by or in the marketplace. You would go and you would encounter people. And as was the case with the Areopagus, you would go to a place to encounter people with different ideas, which is why Paul got a, a hearing there. Now I think we take marketplace of ideas uh, in a kind of Western capitalist, capitalist Amazon type thing of you need to sell your ideas and crush the opposition, you know, in a way of like in the old Simpsons episodes where Bill Gates would like come into some computer nerd's garage and like destroy, you know, his computer. Um, And we've taken it to mean a different thing. Um, It's not, it historically was not about brand dominance, although there were, were of course, gatekeepers. Um, There were not women in uh, 
um, going to the Areopagus necessarily. Um, there were the lower classes would not have been represented in the same way as the upper classes. So I'm not trying to say that there was a place where you would go and be exposed to everything. Um, but it was a, a the ideal was to be challenged and to be challenged in a, in a personal way. Um, so now, it's not as if even I go on YouTube to go to the marketplace of ideas and find out what everyone thinks and really give it a fair hearing. YouTube's not going to let me do that because after I watched the first thing I wanted to look up, YouTube's now going to put me down a rabbit hole, the algorithm, and it's going to push me to the thing that's going to get me the most upset or the most likely to Goodbye. click again, to the conspiracy theory, to the far left or to the far right, <clears throat> to the fear-mongering. And so it's very difficult, actually, and, and this is the sad thing because the internet and many of those who were early uh, contributors to it right this was the hope right. there would be you know the Access areopagus to, for the right. world um really in in many ways it, it rather than exposing me to more um it uh inoculates me to more um so that the algorithm realizes what will get me mad or what i don't like i join groups or i friend people who i agree with i block those <clears throat> with whom i don't um i'm willing to say things and shut down conversations that i would never do um in uh, regular life, I would guess that almost everyone listening to this has themselves or has had someone do it to them or knows someone that it's happened to that has had a relationship broken because of an online interaction, right, that never would have happened in person. Even in some of their most important relationships, family, mm -hmm. um, longtime friends, and stuff that you look at and you go, why in the world would that break a relationship? Um, but it... Uh, this um it it's not uh i i i think what i'm trying to say is the internet is not what it, what it was promised to be in many ways which is um to expose us to the world's great libraries mm -hmm. to expose us to the world's great thinkers um to challenge our thinking and and and, uh, and to help us challenge others uh i mean just look at how how much in the world, when people are radicalized, how many people today are radicalized to whatever view it might be ideologically through the internet, yeah. right? It's just easier to do that than in person. There are things I might watch on the internet that could radicalize me that if someone in person came up to me at Benno's and said, hey, this, I'll go, this guy is crazy. Hey, Mike and Peter, we should like find another bar to go to um, rather than like being like, uh, this is kind of interesting and ended up being down a, a six hour rabbit hole. Although in our defense, when that crazy guy came, we waited him out, I think. <laughs> Although if he keep, maybe got kicked out. He got kicked out eventually. <laughs> eventually. Not because of us. But. No. Um, but uh, something that I thought about when you were talking, um, when you go to the internet, any platform, whatever, to get your news, information, opinion, whatever, um, in order to be truly well-rounded, you actually have to approach it with A, discipline, and B, being able to say, I need to find the opposite or a different point of view, right? You almost have to come in with a framework already. Like, just, I, the, I wonder if we could do some sort of experiment like this. Um, it wouldn't be... Um, ethical but what experiment is where you have people who only 
have their information coming from the internet. Like a Truman show, but right. A tr- they don't have a framework of what uh, they don't have a BS meter, right? I can see my children not having the BS meter that they need. Bologna sandwiches. Yeah. Right. They aren't able to, to, they're not, they're not very, they don't have the capability to quickly say, nope, that's not the full story. What's worse, what, what, what is more terrifying is that that results in them not being humble. I don't know, but arrogant in the little they do know. Right. Because it comes to them in such absolutist terms. So ironically. And as you said earlier, they already know their neighbor based off one thing right. because they've been given constructs. So in one side of their mouth, they will talk about tolerance. And then in the other side, out of their other side of their mouth is this absolutist like you've never seen before. Yeah. And I think those people who... Uh, the one side will talk about moral relativism. The other side will have a morality stricter than anything the Pope's ever came Oh my gosh, with. yes. Um and for those who throw out the label Marxism, we, that that rubs us the wrong way because rubs Mike the wrong way because we're like, and what part of the manifesto are you basing this on? You know, and right. then the, the story goes on. But there's a point there that what they mean by Marxism is, I think, um, not really an attack on capitalism or a threat to capitalism, but a threat to free speech and what we've been talking about here, an absolutist morality um, under the guise of being an egalitarian, everybody against, against the, the oppressor that very easily turns into an oppressive anti-free right. speech. You have to think this way. Thought the police. Union. Yep. And the so, same with fascism right. on the opposite. And, side. and so what I right, And so, when I hate when people throw that term around, but I get what they're after here, and it is a very big danger, and I see it with with my children and our students a little bit that that you could see them. I didn't think that way. I thought in terms of free speech, like more a Voltaire kind of thing. Like you, you are allowed to say whatever you want, and I will fight for your right to say that. And I think um, that's a big shift that has happened. A huge yeah. shift and in, in one generation, in a, in a very small generation. Yeah, one more thing, and then I'll let you, let you finish, and we, we'll be at time. Um, is the idea um, that everybody's got a point. I don't care how crazy that... We've said that before. Does the Marxist have a point? You're darn right. Does the communist have a point? Of course they right. do. Does the capitalist have a point? Absolutely. You may disagree with that point, but there is a kernel of truth. There is, there is something, something about that the human experience led them to where they're at. They have diagnosed a problem. They may not have the answer, but they have diagnosed a problem. They have at least put forth a, an ideal that would be nice. And when we label people capitalist, Marxist, racist, uh, whatever. Um, usually those, those are terms that have been twisted. 
But you have to say, wait a minute, that person has a point, except they're racist. That person has a point, and am I able to actually see their point and say, yes, I disagree with how we can get there, but I see your point, right? And so it becomes the capitalist is the person who has, whose morality is I earned everything myself, I worked hard. And the communist's point is, this is totally unfair. Why can't you, you know, and if you've you just do the gotten work, you've gotten by exploiting people. Right. And they both have a point. Right. Right. And labels just end up being uh, something that we throw at each other and we can never actually compromise. And then you actually have countries that are, well, I, I don't know enough about Chinese politics, but, you know, sort of kind of being capitalist, you know, not in the way that maybe is always beneficial for everybody and whatever, but you, you know, the irony is, uh, there are some countries that are kind of saying, okay, forget about these labels, so to speak. And like, what does this actually work day to day kind of decision-making? Um, how does that affect those day to day decisions? But whatever, I'm not going to go. I, well, no, and I mean, that's the irony of words today is that, well, I mean, I just sent you earlier about a journalist being jailed in China. And I mean, yeah. you can have a, a – communist and capitalist are both words that could be applied to. Um, right. One situation. What is taking place there. In one situation, yeah. Yeah. and uh, For better or worse. Um, but a lot of these words, too, is, are not products of people studying. They're just words that they've learned kind of like a, <clears throat> the talisman was supposed to do back in the day to kind of ward off evil spirits. <clears throat> and so they're just – they're words you throw at things. Mm-hmm to try to shut down conversation or um, keep them at, at bay. It, it reminds me of, you ever have a friend who you just, you've known for years and you're talking about something and something comes out that your friend has a view on something that you never would have expected mm-hmm. that they have a view on. And it fascinates you, right? Well, why do you think that? And it might be a political view, it might be a religious view or something else. Um, we really rob ourselves of having that experience to see how that person got to that thing. Because as you said, and I would, and I would agree, I would see, um, and studies show, um, at least a number of studies, the two worst groups for filtering fake news, and, and that is, is the boomers and then this Z or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and both groups, right, loved to throw these terms. And Gen X, I'm sure, does it as well. Um, but uh, I feel like Gen X in some ways, like we just are kind of eating our popcorn and, and trying to keep the thing running. And then, you know. I mean, if you have... My parents are wonderful. My children are wonderful. But if you have, if you have uh, children who were brought up with iPhones and your parents are hippie baby boomers, you're getting it at both ends. Right. Yeah. And I think, in, uh, you know, we were, we were no saints and we had our problems. Um, but I think largely are the responsible ones in the room. <laughs> Trying to be, yeah. And I'm, we're biased, but... Uh, <laughs> right, of course we are. Um, but I, I do think this... Uh, you know, the next time you find yourself thinking about sending an email you maybe otherwise wouldn't spend, or the text message, or um, you're online and you think about commenting something to a friend, or just take a deep breath. This is something I've been trying to do and I don't always do well which is why I just got rid of social media. Um, but think, what if I called them on the phone? How would I, 
how would I express this? And I'm guessing it would be in a very, very different way. And then if you're feeling courageous, call them on the phone, mm-hmm. right? Or if you're online, shoot them a private message and say, hey, I was reading your thread on this. You know, I didn't want to jump in and, and get anything going off the rails. Um, I'd be really interested in getting your take on this and have a conversation uh, in that way, right? And that can be especially fruitful. I think that the challenge with things online, the, the, the final thing, is that it does, I think, threaten us to take everything public. Yeah. And it kind of destroys the private realm, which is a, a very important realm for friendship, for family. Um, it's a, we, we talk about safe spaces, but then we destroy them. Right. Um, is, but yeah. it's a, it's a, uh, so, you know, I think that that's uh, something maybe to keep in mind. That none of this is, is, is great advice because I'm, I'm definitely uh, giving advice on things I myself struggle with and, and don't do well. Um, but I do think it's uh, picture your neighbor's actual physical face. Um, and remember, uh, you know, that they are flesh and blood as you are flesh and blood. And maybe we can show some mercy um, and all benefit uh, from, uh, from doing so. I sometimes joke with my students. No one's ever going to be able to run for president eventually because we're all going to have these digital trails yeah. um, of stuff that we have said or posted or whatever that we can never. Mike, you were telling me a story about a 15-year-old um, who had um, got her driver's license and posted something she shouldn't have and had someone who screenshotted and sat on it for, what, three years? I, I think if that's correct, three years. Until they could tank their college admissions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we all have stuff that could tank each other. Um, and trust me, the corporations and the government have stuff <laughs> that can uh, that can tank us. And even just stopping and thinking about, imagine if, if I got to heaven and God says, you know, Wade, the gospel is great, but we've changed our policy. Um, we are simply going to make our decision um, based on your online track record. Uh, I would be absolutely terrified, yeah, you're right? You're I, would, I would much rather... He judged me by the actual words I've spoken um, and the things I've done. Uh, you know. Well, you're still screwed. but um, Right. Um, no, I'm still going to hell, but maybe a not-so-bad version <laughs> of hell. Um, but, I mean, it just, uh, yeah, I Thank don't know. Thank God I'll, for the righteousness of Christ. How about? Yeah. Even for the person that you hate online. And uh, if you're thinking of running for president, really, just, like, tweet super or safe apparently, stuff. Or apparently go to college. Yeah. Just maybe just stay off it. Yeah. All right. You got anything, Mike, or should we wrap it up? I think we should wrap it up. I feel We're like done. we kind of petered out there without a key point, but hopefully we made some. That's all right. Uh, I don't this... know that we had like a Mr. Rogers lessons for the day at the end. No, that's fine. I think we should just be done. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed our little ramblings. We're, we'll tighten it up. Next one, I, I see yeah, our next will. topic will be, I think, a little bit more tight. Um, so please come back. Until then, let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down Get with my party and I begin to cry I don't care what the people are thinking I'm not drunk, I'm just a tanker I set them up, another round I set them up, another round I set them up, another round One more round won't get me down